Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. Hey listeners, in this episode, you'll get to hear from pharmacist Kelly Carlstrom about the importance of networking and building community in the profession and about democratizing education, non-traditional roles, and the great migration that is happening in oncology pharmacy. So there are a lot of opportunities there. I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest Kelly Carlstrom received her Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Colorado in 2010 and completed two years of postgraduate training to specialize in oncology. She is a board-certified oncology pharmacist that has worked in a variety of traditional and non-traditional settings, including at a large academic medical center, a small community hospital, as a consultant for a large electronic medical record implementation, and most recently in the healthcare technology space, helping to create digital products and services for oncology clinicians and patients. Additionally, Kelly is the founder and CEO of Kelly C. PharmD, a company that supports pharmacists um, to develop their baseline oncology knowledge. She's passionate about decolonizing oncology pharmacy training and increasing accessibility and inclusion through her unique and innovative training programs. Kelly, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary. Excited to be here to chat with you today. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. And, you know, just for our listeners, if there's anything else that you wanted to share about your background or any gaps in that that intro, we'd love to to hear even, you know, where where you're calling in from uh, in the world today. (laughs) Sure. So interesting story. I like to tell people for the past eight months or so, I am technically a homeless pharmacist because I am a nomad. So I was living in California uh, previously for a role at a technology startup company that I was working at. And given all the changes we live in in the world today with COVID, uh, I had the opportunity to move around, but I didn't yet know exactly where I wanted to settle down in. Again, I've lived in a lot of different areas in the country. So I decided to get rid of everything I own and pack up my car with a few suitcases of clothes and travel around the country staying in Airbnbs. So today, as we speak, I am in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, just outside Lake Norman. I can see the lake from my window right now. So I'm enjoying this nomadic lifestyle. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I asked that question now because that is a very interesting story. And, uh, you know, if you're in the position to be able to do that, then why not? Uh, you know, the beauty of, of I guess the silver lining, you know, of COVID is the shift to more remote work. And so good job. That's awesome. Uh, where's one of the most favorite places that you've been? Well, Cincinnati is high on my list. I I do really also like the Charlotte area. So my whole goal of this nomadic experience is not to do this forever. It's to 
uh, stay in, in different areas of the country for a month or so at a time and, and get a good feeling for it and see if I would want to move there and settle down. So as I roam around the country, that's my goal. And I do, I am really enjoying the Charlotte area. There's actually a a great group of healthcare entrepreneurs here that I have stumbled upon. Um, so that's that's been a great uh, perk of this area. And But I do really like Cincinnati as well. So there's still many places on my list. Cool. Love it. Well, you'll also have to check out Nashville because it is a healthcare hub for sure. So mm -hmm. uh, that is where I am. All right. Well, Kelly, very fascinating uh, about that part of your lifestyle. But let's talk a little bit about uh, your pharmacy journey and tell us, you know, first off, I think I first noticed your you on LinkedIn and uh, you'll have to tell our listeners, of course, where and how to find you. But uh, let's start there. Tell us about, you know, LinkedIn um, you know, building your, your brand, building your, uh, network and, and how you best utilize LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn, Hillary. <laughs> it's my favorite place to hang out online for many reasons. I, I started using LinkedIn many years ago. I think after residency, I made my profile and, and at the time, I didn't know what to do with it. So there's probably a lot of pharmacists listening to this that say, you know, I don't, I don't like LinkedIn because it's boring. <laughs> you know, they log in and there's not much going on there. And the reason there's not much going on is because we don't build very large networks on LinkedIn. So you're, you're not really seeing a lot of great stuff in your feed. And I, I started to recognize as I grew my network, my, my connections on LinkedIn, I started to see more interesting content in my feed, which led me to go on there more and consume more, more of that content and interact with people and make new connections. And that's that's really where I started getting some traction in, in having conversations and, and meeting people that were doing really interesting things. At, at the time, I was working in a very traditional role as a clinical specialist in a cancer center. The the, the typical role I thought I would be in for my entire career. And someone found me on LinkedIn, a recruiter reached out to me and said they want, they were interested in my background for a consulting position. And when they told me about it, they said it was in Virginia and I was in Cleveland and I wasn't looking to move. And they said, oh, you don't have to move. And my response was, what kind of pharmacist job can I work in another state and I don't have to move? It was very intriguing to me. So we had conversations and, and that's how I kind of learned about this non-traditional world that I have stepped into now many years ago. And it really all started from LinkedIn. It started that I had a, a full profile. I was going on there. I was interacting with posts. I wasn't posting a ton myself at that time. But this recruiter was able to find me because there's a lot of uh, good back-end recruiter tools on LinkedIn. And, and you want to be found as a pharmacist on LinkedIn. This is not where you go and, and hide out. You want people to see you. So I had this great opportunity and I ended up jumping at it, even though it was a very risky, non-traditional type of role. It was a project base. So essentially I would be out of a job with a year, within a year. <laughs> so there was a lot of challenges at that time, but that, that really was the pivot in my career was having that opportunity and then having the 
um, having the foresight to just jump at the chance, not knowing what I was getting into. And it, it's really blown up my worldview of pharmacy since then. Wow. And I love the point that you made about if you don't have a lot of connections or a lot of people, then you're not going to get a lot of new things on your feed. So that is a great point for people um, to incentivize them to grow their network, whether they're connecting with people, but also following, um, you know, influencers, whether it's Brene Brown or Tony Robbins or, you know, whomever is kind of your person or different people, different companies, um, even, you know, definitely following different companies and things, uh, is important too. So that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing, uh, about that. And then, you know, some of the pros about, uh, you know, you put in that time and effort in curating, uh, your LinkedIn profile and um, making a positive uh, image out there and you're rewarded by being found. Um, great. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit. Um, okay, so you have uh, an oncology background. You've got you know specialized training in that. Uh, but how did you get into the EMR and then the health uh, technology space? So the EMR implementation role was that role I was recruited to through LinkedIn. So it was initially a 12-month contract to help a large center get off of paper chemotherapy orders. Still paper around even today. (laughs) They had a lot of paper orders they needed to build out in their EMR. And in, in classic hospital fashion, which I think you and listeners will Uh, agree with that they thought they would just tap their current staff to do all this extra work, which was not feasible. (laughs) They had they had patients to take care of, they couldn't build 600 plus oncology treatment plans. So they were looking for somebody with a clinical background, didn't necessarily need the technical expertise, which was good because this hospital was converting to Cerner. And I had never used Cerner, ever. (laughs) So when I got hired, I had to make it abundantly clear I had zero Cerner skills, <laughs> but they, they weren't looking for those. They were looking for the clinical expertise. So I was able to leverage that background that I had into that role. And a, a one-year contract turned into almost three years, long-term project. I really loved the work that I did there. I got to work with their clinical pharmacy staff, their oncologists, their nurses. I learned a lot from the back end, from the data analyst side, from the EMR side, the just general IT department side. And it really showed me that I was super interested in the technology side of oncology, mostly because we have such bad tech in, in healthcare. You know, we, we use these EMRs that were not built for clinicians. They were built to take payment, to bill. And they're, it's just a lot of crap, honestly. <laughs> And it's because they don't have clinicians at the table helping build these things, helping inform the design, helping think through five steps down the process. Well, what happens after the doctor places that order and and making sure the workflows are logical? So when when that project came to an end, I really wanted to stay in the technology space. So I was actively looking for tech roles, but, you know, as a non-traditional 
pharmacist, those types of roles are a little tricky to come by because they don't, I mean, there are informatics pharmacists that are advertised, but I, I wasn't quite in that space. That wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And so I, I learned some kind of job searching skills where I did not use the search term of pharmacist. I used the search term of technology and oncology and product and project management and things like that. And that found a, a healthcare tech startup in the San Francisco area that was building an oncology software product. And they needed a clinician to inform their product. I was actually their first oncology specific clinician that they hired. Very small company when I started, about 50 employees. And I loved it. I love the startup world. Things move fast. Everything's uh, kind of gray. There's no right answer. You just kind of figure out what you're doing uh, along the way. And it, it's been a really enjoyable ride. Awesome. Love it. Um, I love being able to share with listeners about these non-traditional roles and particularly um, encouraging us as clinicians to really uh, embrace technology. And even if we're not, you know, in informatics track, uh, I think that, you know, being able to understand and use data is so important and a great example of what, you know, you've been able to, to carve out um, and the things that you've done with, within, you know, supporting from a contract perspective uh, for an EMR implementation or, you know, advising for a startup. Um, very fun. Um, so I know, you know, education is also really uh, near and dear to your heart. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, educating pharmacists and oncology is definitely a passion of mine. One of the early things that came through from me being on LinkedIn, in addition to that recruiter story I mentioned, was I, I got a lot of messages from other pharmacists, particularly those working at smaller cancer centers in community hospitals or in rural areas. And they were in oncology positions, some of them because somebody retired or somebody was on maternity leave. And they kind of fell into these positions and didn't know much about oncology and their centers didn't have much of a training program besides the, you know, the, the operational piece of it, how to verify an order in the EMR. And so people would send me messages and say, can you point me to a video that, you know, where I can learn oncology? <laughs> I would say there's about 4,000 on YouTube. <laughs> Um, so there's just so many resources out there. You know, the internet is a wonderful thing, but it is a black hole of information. So that, that really got me started thinking I would, I would share kind of one-off messages with people and that just got to a point where it wasn't sustainable. And it, it pushed me down this track of, okay, how can I help fill this need? People are telling me they want to learn oncology. There's not a great resource out there for beginners, for people that didn't do residency training. And how can I create that? And so over the past couple of years, I have been building that out in my company, Kelly C. PharmD. I have a couple training programs now. Um, my kind of flagship, the one that I love running is called the ELO Collaborative. ELO stands for Enjoy Learning Oncology because it shouldn't be painful <laughs> to learn oncology, even though most pharmacists shy away from oncology. But I'll tell you, you know, to your comment, Hillary, about non-traditional roles and introducing all of us to non-traditional roles that is fantastic it's also causing a gap 
in our frontline pharmacists. There are a lot of oncology pharmacists that are leaving clinical practice for non-traditional roles. And that is leaving a lot of opportunity for other pharmacists to step into oncology roles. Uh, but it's definitely got a steep learning curve. So I, I've been enjoying building up programs to support those pharmacists that want to level up their career and get into kind of a niche of pharmacy that I think is the most stable. Cancer is not going anywhere. <laughs> we have we have the most drug approvals, the most clinical trials. We have the most complex drugs, the most expensive drugs. Like oncology is where it's at. <laughs> mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, I think that's, you know, definitely wise. We need, um, for all those reasons that you just shared, uh, people to get passionate and educated about all of these uh, new therapies. Because, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're probably going to continue to see an increase, you know, with, with COVID, what people weren't going to the doctor, there weren't screenings for, you know, cancer screenings mm -hmm. and things like that. So, um, yeah, that, that is really helpful. Um, well, awesome. So Kelly, um, tell us again where listeners can find you. You can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Kelly is with an EY here. So you can search for Kelly Carlstrom on, on LinkedIn. And I am also on Twitter and Instagram under Kelly C Farm D. And I would love to connect with everybody. Send me a message when you connect with me on LinkedIn. Tell me where you're working. I love networking with other pharmacists. Uh, definitely on LinkedIn, but also in person. I'm glad that we're getting more in-person events. I was at the, the HOPA meeting a couple weeks ago and the COA meeting a couple weeks before that. And I, I really think there's a lot of opportunity for pharmacists to not just network. You know, I, I think we use that word a lot and kind of people brush it off and like, oh yeah, I should be networking. Um, but what I, what I equate networking to is community building. And there, there's so much opportunity and so much value to be had when we can uh, be in each other's world and understand what the value of all the people in our world is and leverage that in different ways. I have found so much um, benefit, so much value in communities that I'm a part in, either professionally from the pharmacy side, but also from the business side. And I, I think we can all do a better job at, at building up community in our profession, because as we all know, we have a lot of changes going on and we need to work together to figure out what the future of pharmacy looks like. And, and we're going to be a lot better at it if we do it together. So definitely connect with me on LinkedIn and send me a message about why you want to build community in our profession. <laughs> Awesome. Yes. I love that. And as our final question, I love to ask our guests, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for others out there who are just getting started in their career? Mm. Such a great question. I've been thinking about a writing a blog post about this because there's a lot of things <laughs> I would tell myself, but I think the, the number one that floats to the top that is always present in my mind is about career risk taking and taking more risk in our career. We we really as a profession we're very risk averse, which makes sense. Like we we especially in oncology, <laughs> we need all of our orders to be correct. We need to take good care of patients, but we don't have to be risk averse on our career path. And when we don't 
when we don't kind of put that forward or, or consider that, consider it an option, even if you're not necessarily jumping at every kind of risky thing that comes along, but having that perspective of what's the worst that could happen if I didn't work in the job I thought I was supposed to have? What if I went in and worked in this other area that pharmacists don't typically work in? You know, what's the worst that could happen? What's the best that could happen? Because that really changed everything on my professional trajectory. When I, when I jumped into that non-traditional role, I just, I saw the world differently. I saw all the doors that are out there and there's so much opportunity, so many doors to walk through that we don't even know about because, you know, we, we learn when people, when we see other people doing things, which is another great reason to be on LinkedIn. You know, I remember when I first um, found a pharmacist who was also in tech when I was looking for a, a, a different tech job, I'm like, oh, there's another pharmacist in here. I wonder what she's doing. So I reached out to her and learned about her role and, you know, understanding what other people are doing and, and having that be a possibility makes the the idea of a risky move maybe slightly less risky. So I that would that would be my advice to my younger self and, and to pharmacists that are listening is really think about how can I take a little bit more risk and, and, and get that extra reward, get that extra learning opportunity to, to leverage that into the future? Absolutely. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for sharing so much with our listeners today. And it was a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks so much, Hillary.